Today, we speak with homeopaths Emma Dalton and Rachel Welsh, who offer a service to bring together homeopathy students and graduates with those people from the community who are seeking low-cost yet professional care. They call this the Sapphire Natural Health Project. It's all done online, which makes it easy for students and patients alike to access this wonderful service. Emma works full-time as a multidisciplinary practitioner in Suffolk. She trained in London with Robert Davidson, graduating in 2003, and later did a postgrad with Dr. Yubraj Sharma. She teaches herbal medicine students for the Botanica School of Herbal Medicine, as well as supervising and mentoring homeopaths and herbalists from many different training establishments. Rachel Welsh has a background in teaching and trained as a homeopath 15 years ago and has now been qualified and practicing in Suffolk for 10 years. Alongside homeopathy, she also uses bark flowers, homeobotanical therapy, emotional freedom technique, kinesiology, present child translation, and has done end-of-life counseling using the Before I Go method. Rachel also teaches for the organization Homeopathy at Welly Level, which teaches farmers how to use homeopathy with their animals. I have a separate interview with her coming up in a future episode, so be sure to keep an eye out for that one. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are hanging out with two lovely homeopaths, Emma Dalton and Rachel Welsh. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. And you're both in Suffolk, hey? We're both in Suffolk in the UK. Yes, just northeast of, of London. Oh, amazing. Now, I wonder, we have got something very special we're going to be chatting about. But before we get into it, uh, Emma, do you maybe want to start off with telling us a little bit about how you first got introduced to homeopathy? And then, Rachel, can you follow her, please? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got into homeopathy because I had been very ill when I was in my late teens. And by the time I was 24, I was under a consultant who told me to um, give up work, register disabled and be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, and a friend had told me about this weird woman in Suffolk who did something called homeopathy. And as my consultant told me this dreadful news, um, I thought, do you know what? It's worth giving this woman a go. So I actually mentioned it to my consultant who turned around and went, oh, no, 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 you don't want to be doing that. No, 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 no. And I said, but it's better than what you've just told me. Um, and sure enough, um, three sessions, a month apart, poof, all the symptoms improved, never returned. Um, and I have got a uh, a condition underlying everything, which um, has been maintained. So when I was in my ooh, late 30s, nearly 40s, um, I was told that, um, yeah, I would probably um, end up dying from my condition and and there would be, you know, long-term consequences if, even if I had a transplant and la, 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 it went on. Um, but um, here I am, oh, 51, no meds, still alive, no issues, and I just manage the condition. So my consultant and I are very happy to work alongside that. But once... Um, I had my son and, and it was, that was tricky when I was about 27, 28. My GP, um, I'd had to change GP during the whole process. And my new GP was a homeopath. And my GP in Ipswich was a wonderful man called Dr. Roy Steiner. So I'll be forever grateful to him. And I took my son to see him one day with an ear infection. And he 
threw the pen across the table at me and said, right, that's it. You're going to go and train to be a homeopath. Because I'd sat there and said, I've got this Helios kit and I've tried X, Y, and Z. Um, And he got on the phone in the clinic and he phoned my homeopath and said, I'm sending Emma and Tom to come and see you. And these are the remedies I think you need to be doing. And by the way, she needs to train to be a homeopath um, and you've got to make her. And he got off the phone and he said, right, you're going to go to the College of Practical Homeopathy in London. Um, Robert David's teaching it. I would really love to go and train there, but I can't because of my my work and my family commitments but that's where you need to go and I sort of sat there a bit shell-shocked going pardon what what did you just say um and my homeopath reinforced that and said no this would be a really good thing for you and so I for for about the only time in my life I've actually done what I was I was told to do um and Robert um it was an amazing character and you will hear many different stories good and bad about him but to me he was a wonderful homeopathy teacher mm-hmm. um and I'm very grateful for the, the for the education that I had that's amazing and Rachel yeah um my my trip into homeopathy was really through my daughter um I was living in Hong Kong uh, when I had my daughter who's now 28 and um she kept getting ear infections and um, in Hong Kong, there's quite a lot of Chinese herbal medicine, but it's quite either Chinese or Western. So I went to the Western doctor because that was what I knew. And um, she just was on antibiotic after antibiotic and it wasn't really working for her. And I remember coming back to the UK uh, on a visit and talking to my mum and my mum knew nothing about homeopathy. So this was completely new for our family. And I said, I have to find something different because this isn't working uh, for my daughter. So basically, I went back to Hong Kong and took my daughter to one of the baby group things that you take your kids to. And on the wall was an advertisement for, um, would you like to learn how to support your family's health using more natural medicine? So I thought, well, you know, I've got to give it a go. Um, So I went to the to the class. Um, it was run by a guy called Graham Stuart Bradshaw, um, who was a homeopath practicing in Hong Kong, but he was actually from Tasmania. Wow. So uh, I was intrigued because he just was talking about um, how you could use a remedy kit and how homeopathy worked. And um, at the end of one of the sessions, he used to leave a little bit of time for people to ask questions. And he asked me um when did your daughter's problem start with the ear infections and I said oh about 13 months and he said "Uh, did you put when when did you stop breastfeeding he said did you stop breastfeeding about nine months and I said yeah it was about nine months I stopped breastfeeding and then he said uh did you put her on some dairy um based um milk and I said well yeah yeah of course you know everybody mm. does you know you put your kid on baby on baby milk you know and uh, he said I, I I'm sure she's probably got a dairy intolerance um so you need to bring it to the clinic I went back to my husband and I said well I've never heard anything so ridiculous about you know because I I been I grew up on a farm so you know I was used to having milk and it was all part of your diet but I was so intrigued. So I went and um, and basically he did some muscle testing actually using um, a Vega machine. You know, those machines that yeah. basically test your pressure points. 
and uh, did it as her she was a surrogate sitting on my knee so I don't know if listeners know about surrogate when you're a surrogate you sit the child on your knee and then you put your hand on their belly mm-hmm. and then you are tested um as the basically standing in for the child because the mm-hmm. child's too small to be tested and um yeah basically a dairy allergy came up so I was intrigued and we did the remedies and she never had another antibiotic um from that time until literally the latina teens and then she got something she had some antibiotics but it was absolutely incredible but I was hooked because you know she and I got my daughter back you know my daughter was getting iller and iller Mm -hmm. so yeah that was my journey amazing and can we just quickly do a shout out to all the homeopaths worldwide who put up those flyers and take their time to do an introduction to homeopathy course for the mum or the parents in their local area because so many people have been introduced to homeopathy uh, that way and these days Mm -hmm. we're so lucky that we can do it online that's why I've got my free homeopathy at home course on YouTube it's just half an hour because so many people have just never heard of it before and I think when you hear about homeopathy as a mum for the first time intuitively we feel that we don't really want to over medicate our kids there's got to be a safer way and it's just that we haven't been introduced to it so and high five to you obviously Rachel for seeing that flyer and actually going along because you know obviously that's changed your whole trajectory of your life hey (laughs) yeah which speaking of which ladies I hear that you two work together to create this incredible low-cost clinic to help uh, clients or patients and students so I'm going to leave the floor to you if you want to um, just tell our listeners a little bit about how this came about, what it is. And um, Rachel, Emma's pointing to you. So I'm guessing that you're starting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I've been in practice now for 10 years and um, I'd like to practice for another 10 at least. Um, But I decided um, earlier this year that it was time for me in my practice to put more energy into training new homeopaths because that's what we need. We need lots of people out there prescribing for people. Um, Now, the biggest problem that there's been for a lot of student homeopaths is being able to observe um, homeopaths working. And that's partly been a historical thing because it's very difficult sometimes when you're a trainee homeopath to find homeopaths who are happy for you to sit in and observe. Um, partly because patients don't really like it because they like to have sort of a one-on-one with their homeopath. Mm. And also, you know, it can take quite a lot of organisation for the homeopath as well. So all the way through my practice, I've always offered um, at least once a month and often twice a month uh, a totally free clinic um, for um, patients. And they've traditionally been a family clinic because families are much happier to have other people sitting in because often there's more than one um, and there's kids everywhere and having an extra pair of hands is actually really beneficial. So the challenge was, of course, how do I do these um, family clinics during lockdown and pandemic? So I basically moved them to be online. And then um, during the pandemic, they were me seeing the patients face to face and then me linking up with students on zoom and that worked really well but of course there's limited um about you know people being able to travel and also people aren't well um so basically um we sort of came up with this idea that why don't we do the clinic on zoom 
Um, that way, we haven't got to worry about any social distancing. Um, also, it's opened up um, the market, really, because we do have um, a patient um, who we work with who lives in Canada. So that works really well. So we Zoom from Canada to um, the UK. Uh, and basically, we're able to offer a low cost um, to people Zoom. The problem is that um, quite often what happens is that we need to get some students in as well who are able to help basically watch and also they are going to um, reduce the cost for the patient which mm. is part of the way the clinic works so students come in and they basically watch us take a, a case online um, and they can contribute um, some money towards the clinic and the patient pays a low cost towards their um, treatment. So we now have um, a bank of um, probably about eight patients that we've seen um, over the last sort of eight months. Um, and students have been able to see the development of how our patients have been getting on. Um, and the word is spreading. Um, so that is good. But, you know, we're always looking for new patients and we're always looking for new homeopaths um, to come in um, and to learn um, how to take cases. And the way we like to run the clinic is it's very um, inclusive. So it's not a case of just watching us as homeopaths take a case and, you know, we do all the decision making. Um, at the end of seeing a patient, um, it's very collaborative. So we'll ask the students, you know, what do you think? How would you go about this? Um, let's get the books out. Let's work out what to do. And um, that works really well. And um, students really like to be involved and to be part of the process. Is there that, anything you want to add, Anna? Oh, that's absolutely amazing. My brain's just ticking over as you're saying this, thinking we need to do this, like because we <laughs> have got a group of about uh, it's about seven or eight of my uh, patients who over the past year have decided that they want to start studying homeopathy. So, we, yeah, it must be about seven or eight. Literally before I came on this call, there was another mum that's just said she's interested as well now. And you know how the universe works? I just got an email from Switch on Health this morning. I haven't even opened it. I've only read the first couple of lines, but it said there's a student over East and she's looking for hours. Are you able to have her sit in? So, you know, like, you know how the universe works. Like literally I could not make this <laughs> stuff up. This email has just come in and there was just that message before this so yeah I think we're going to have to create something like that over here as well because mm. I don't know if you ladies have heard of homeopathic symposium but when I was studying to be a, a homeopath over a decade ago uh, you know same had the same problems it's really hard to get your clinic hours up and uh, there was this program called homeopathic symposium and this I can't remember the homeopath that did it but you, it was actually done over the course of a couple of years where you could watch the initial consultation and you could watch the follow-ups over a course of a couple of years. Each module would, uh, it would be about nine hours because the homeopath will then talk to you about how they did the case and the repertorization. They would show you through all that. You had to answer questions about the case to, yeah, and get your hours up that way. But it's actually so outdated now. Like it was such, not all that outdated. It's just, it was such a long time ago. We really need this bank of, uh, you know, brave clients who are willing to actually get out there and share their story. Know it's going to be shared with a bunch of the most unbiased, um, 
you know, people that you will ever meet. Us homeopaths, we hear all sorts of weird and wonderful things in our clinic. And we, you know, there's zero uh, judgment from us. Sorry, not we're unbiased, but also non-judgmental. All we want to do is help you. That is our only, our only, you know, reason for existence. So we need these clients to come along and be willing to have us take their cases so that we can help them and so that we can train up a whole new generation of homeopaths to continue this wonderful work. So it's, I'm so impressed by what you've done, Rachel and Emma. That's really amazing. Emma, were you going to add anything to that about the clinic? Um, all I would say is that, um, it is meant to be very collaborative. Um, and the the background um, for me was that when I went to study at the College of Practical Homeopathy, it was um, a very broad ranged course. Um, and at the time, I didn't fully appreciate how broad. Um, and the first two years were spent very much classical homeopathy but then by the time you got to the third and the fourth year it was well you you might sometimes need some more tools in your toolbox and so we got taught all sorts of different things um, alongside true homeopathy but particularly herbs um, as organotherapy um, and diet and nutrition and um, I remember he got um, someone to teach us EFT. So this was early 2000s. I trained from 99 to 2003. Um, So that was really early days of EFT. Um, And he got a psychologist in to talk to us about how to manage difficult patients, bit of iridology, bit of muscle testing, um, using radionic machine in clinic, you know, really broad. Um, And I just thought that was normal. But how we learned with... um, patients was that um, you would have um, an active case taker and an observer in the room with the patient, no tutor, no nothing. You would then go back to the group and present, having come up with a few ideas, and then everyone collaboratively came together to discuss, well, have you looked at this rubric? Is that the right methodology? You know, is classical the most appropriate method? Um, and, and we would come to everything together. Um, And I also know that we were strongly encouraged from the first year to treat our family, maybe a few friends. Second year, definitely you should be seeing some friends. Um, Donation based only, you you know, you're not full charging or anything, Uh, maybe enough to cover the cost of your supervision. Um, And then third and fourth year was definitely getting out there and having friends of friends. And and so by the time you qualified at the end of the fourth year, you know, you you basically got a practice where you could go, yay, I've 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 qualified, you know, this is this is what my charges are gonna be. Um and and people would talk about you and 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 build up a, a good practice. Um but that I now understand was quite an unusual concept. Um, and I now know that um, particularly many of the UK colleges are very careful about who is allowed to see people outside of a, a clinic, a student clinic, um, and how you do things. So I, uh, because I've been around 20 odd years now doing homeopathy, um, I've helped mentor and supervise lots of different um students and graduates and there is a a real worry or what if I do the wrong thing and so part of the idea of doing this clinic is to run it similarly to how I 
was taught and go, no, actually, you've got to be an active participant in this process. And this is a, you know, let's bounce some ideas off. You know, is that the right rubric? Um, Have you interpreted what they said properly? Um, You know, um, so we the other day were talking about a patient who has long COVID and we were looking up rubrics about loss of sense of smell and taste. Well, actually, it wasn't loss of sense of smell and taste. It was altered. It was changed. There were some nuances to it. And we had a discussion about that and it all came up naturally. And that's where you get the confidence because you go, oh, I see that now. And, you know, there are many newly qualified or people who trained a long time ago and because of the pandemic have gone, I'd really like to go back to doing homeopathy, but I I would have to retrain and think. Our idea is come along to the clinic. We have very experienced homeopaths coming along to the clinic because they want to learn how to run a student clinic. So we will teach them, we will show them and go, this is possible. So we're all about, let's all do this together. Let's all bring our experiences together. But because I then have gone on to train in quite a few other therapies, um, we will bring that, that in. So from the point of view of herbs, um, we will talk about organ support and herbs and diet and nutrition because I trained in functional medicine. Um, and, um, we will, you know, it's possible if someone was talking about the spiritual side of things or the, um, the energetics of things. I am a biodynamic craniosacral practitioner, a spiritual healer. Um, and I did four years postgrad with Dr. Yubar Sharma, who runs the shamanic school of homeopathy in London. And he's also, um, educational lead at the faculty of homeopathy in the UK. And that's got more of that element to it. So it's what's appropriate for that person, for those students at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, if we need to do some organ support with some herbs, well, I'm a medical herbalist. I can, I can bring that in. We can do, you know, one of the things that I can teach is about homeopathy, um, herbal medicine for homeopaths. Mm. That's, that's a course that I developed, um, as a one day CPD lecture for the Society of Homeopaths after I graduated from, um, Lincoln University with my herbal medicine degree in 2015. So people can come along and, you know, when we, we, we're talking to someone about their gut, Yes, we're looking at bowel noses. Yes, we're looking at constitutional. We also go, well, you know, let's have a look at their diet. Is there anything that might need to be changed? Do we need to be looking at some probiotics? You know, what other things can we bring in to help that person that may be appropriate within our our sphere of of reference? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Did I understand correctly? Did you say you also help other homeopaths to set up clin- clinics like this? This is me being like purely, you know, for self interest. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we will we will mentor, you know, homeopaths who go, well, you know, actually, I don't really know. And have I got the confidence? And what do I do if someone does this, that and the other? That's what. Mm-hmm. So Rachel's background is very much in education. Um, and with Rachel's support, um, she helped mentor me through my teacher training. I, I got a PGCE in 2019 because my confidence in teaching was knocked. And I'm like, do I know how to teach? Is this a good thing to do? Um, and actually, I didn't need the piece of paper at all. I, the, the fact I have, you know, PGC in, you know, and I and I did it in complementary medicine and I specialized on online learning in 2019 before I knew the importance of online learning. Um, but it was with Rachel's support and going, actually, you know, you just need to get more confidence in the teaching. So between us, we've got there. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's the joy of it. 
I'm also just thinking of the the logistics and like once again purely self-interest there I'm thinking of the logistics of how do you uh how do you do you or do you record some of the sessions and have the students watch it afterwards and or do you have like a Facebook support group for them to discuss or, or how, how do you how do you physically run it no, we haven't really done a Facebook um, follow-up. What we tend to do is have a patient file, and in the patient file, there is a link to um, the pre-recorded um, previous appointments. Um, so what happens is um, students will say, okay, I want to come along. We have a mailing list, and um, basically I write to everybody about two weeks before and say, okay, we're going to have the clinic. Um, and then they basically pay online. Uh, when they're paid online, basically what I do is send them the Zoom link to the clinic and also a bundle of all of the case notes. So obviously, the more we see the patients, uh, the longer the case notes are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so students can actually sit down um, before they come to the clinic and see the all of the appointments before which have been recorded online. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our notes basically have a bit of a transcript as well so mm-hmm. that you know, if they haven't got time to sit and work, go through all the footage they can get a feel but we do say that the more you watch um, the better you're going to feel about um, contributing to the decision making process at the end of the uh, live uh, Just- case take. Just quickly, Rachel, has your microphone mm. changed or anything? It suddenly sounds a bit damper to what it was before. Have you got, oh, is it in your ear? Is that better? Is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it turned around. Um, yeah, basically, um, yeah, we we, we get um, uh, students to watch the pre-recorded um, videos and then they actually also look at the case notes as well. Um, at the moment, the clinic that we're running is Emma and I take the cases. But what we'd like to do is get more of the qualified homeopaths feeling confident so they can actually take the clinics mm-hmm. um, themselves, um, either doing their own thing or doing it as part of the Sapphire Clinic um, initiative so that they get the support from us. Uh, but we actually will then get uh, homeopaths that take cases and um, they will be remunerated for all their time so mm-hmm. uh, it's still early stages because we've only just been doing this since um, September. That's amazing so, yeah. so I'm actually just thinking now with having received this email this morning about you know this student in Australia needing some uh, to get some hours up is that a service that somebody from right around the world like homeopathic students from around the world are able to access and it just it's just also important to mention this was also for, like you said, a lot of homeopaths that maybe uh, didn't establish a practice straight out of uh, straight out of their studies because perhaps financial means it was too hard for them to leave their nine to five jobs. So they never really got their practice going or they did get their practice going, but maybe they got small children. So they left the homeopathy. And then with COVID, as a lot of people lost their jobs, uh, homeopaths realized, well, obviously we can work on board and then they want to get back into uh, practicing homeopathy, but their confidence isn't there. So this is obviously a great way for existing homeopaths who maybe haven't practiced in a little while while to get their confidence back as well. So is this something that people are able to access worldwide? And also just talk to our listeners who might be interested in joining as a a patient of the clinic. How do they go about Mm -hmm. that? Talk to us about the logistics of all that. 
So basically, in the first instance, they just need to contact me um, and I can give you my details. Um, we do have, um, we had a homeopath join us from Sweden um, in our last clinic and we have, we had a patient in Canada. So there's no reason why we can't have a patient from Australia. I mean, the, the biggest problem is the time difference. Uh, but that's not too much of a problem, probably because we do evening appointments in the UK, mm-hmm. um, normally 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. So um, it would work um, for Australia. So there's no reason why mm-hmm. we can't actually have um, people from all over the world joining us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually 1.30 p.m. here in Perth. What time is it there now? Um, it is 6.30 a.m. 6.30. Okay. <laughs> That's early. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you say you normally do 7 p.m. your time? Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it'll be the wee hours of the morning here, but anyone who really wants to make it work can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, like you said, there's the recordings as well, right? So if, I mean, you would obviously recommend that people come and sit in on the live so that they can actually actively participate. But for somebody who obviously can't because of time difference and would really like to have access to that content is that still something that they're able to do um we haven't really thought about that have we emma i mean the other thing we can do and we have done is pre-record um an appointment Uh so that's another possibility so either emma or i or another homeopath would pre-record an appointment um at a time that is more convenient Mm-hmm. And then the students would watch the pre-recorded appointment mm-hmm. and then we would discuss it in the clinic. So that is another yeah. option. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amazing. So we are, um, we're still finding our way and of what, finding out what works for the students that are coming, what works for us um, and what works for the patients. So um, our next clinic, um, one of the um, patients can't make that day and that time so I'm doing a pre-record and we're still working out well do we actually give it to the students beforehand or do we actually play it during the session with the students because mm-hmm. sometimes you know it's good to see the nuances and, and be there together to see it whole because what if um, the student hasn't had time to watch it beforehand mm-hmm. um, the other thing is of course that we do fill out student clinical forms for the colleges um, and each college um, particularly in the UK so far has got their different requirements mm-hmm. so um, some of them just want the, us to give feedback on the students so we we we're not monitoring the students but we are making observations you know if they contribute if they make a good contribution or if they um, come up with a really good remedy idea or they talk through their thinking or observations it, it's it is noted um and we will put that onto a clinic form for them. And then other colleges just want us to sign off the hours. Um, and then there's another college where the student has to do a whole reflective process on it. And then I have to sign it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular college will allow them a little bit of extra hours for the prep work because they understand how our clinic works. So what, what we're saying is that it would depend upon the student and where they're at and what their needs are. And, and we're still finding our way because um, mm-hmm. we, we started officially last September. So, oh, you know, six months ago or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I actually, I that, that's my style. Like I just, I mean, you'll hear my first couple of podcasts. It didn't even have an intro. We just like jump. Like I, it's so important to just jump in there and do it. And as you go, just, uh, you know, um, 
yeah, iron out the iron out the little what do you call them things. However, you want to make it smoother. But um, yeah. it's Bugs. wonderful that you're doing it <laughs> instead of just sitting there and talking about it. You two ladies have actually jumped in there and done it, and uh, that's absolutely brilliant. I hope more homeopaths listen to this episode and feel inspired to get something like this going in their own mm. countries as well, because we all prescribe so differently, hey, and we all have such different styles, and the more different homeopaths you get exposed to and their different style of prescribing, you get to quickly know what you like and what you don't like. And you pick little bits up from every homeopath. And one of, I sat in with few different homeopaths when I was studying and little bits I got from each of them. One thing I got from one of the practitioners was she always did a body scan at the end of the consultation. So she'll start with her head, work her way down and say, okay, is there any issues with your head? Okay, any issues with your eyes? Any issues with your nose? Any issues with your mouth? So I do that at the end of every consult and a different homeopath used to at the end of every consult say, so what is the main thing that you want to get out of today? So she'd do the whole case take and right at the end say, okay, what is the main thing you want to get out of today? So this is what I do for every single consult. And I... um like I always think of these homeopaths that handed these little treasures down unbeknownst to them. It was just that those were the parts of their consult that I really liked. So I made it my own. So yeah, if we can get more homeopaths to offer this as a service as well, um, I think all of us are going to be better off because we're all going to learn from each other. Exactly. And you know, that's why we want um, other um, practitioners to come in and take cases because everyone's got a different style mm. um, and and ways that they think about a case and and you can see oh oh they're 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 going down a line there why are they going down that line you know are they going to come back from that and it's really interesting to see so any student I say this is your opportunity to go and be really nosy go and sit in with as many different practitioners because you know you get comfortable and think oh I know that homeopath I'll, I'll do all twenty hours with them or something. And no, go and see loads of different homeopaths if you can, just to get how everybody works, because you will find out what you like and what you don't like. And that's been the big problem because too many homeopaths have, because of the pandemic or for whatever reason, aren't able to offer that to the students. And so, you know, you you want, we, well, we want to support students and go, yeah, we, we need more homeopaths in the world. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough. Full stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a few billion people in the world and, you know, I don't know how many homeopaths worldwide, but, you know, we can do with a few million more homeopaths and we would all still be flat out busy in our clinics. <laughs> there's exactly. a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Never going to run out of patients, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I worked in a clinic once where there were five homeopaths all working at the same time and there was a, oh, you know, it, it, there aren't enough patients to go around. Yes, there are. There are. And you can go online. So literally the uh, opportunity is endless. Absolutely endless. Mm. So ladies, uh, how can people get hold of you? And what would you like to finish off on to leave our guests with, you know, something to ponder? So uh, Emma, do you want to start just how, how we can get hold of you? And uh, yeah, what what thoughts do you want to leave us with? Um, so um, the best way is either emailing Rachel. Um, so Rachel can give her email address, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or if you really stuck, you know, you can go via our websites, um, you know, um, emmadalton.net, you know, quite quite simple. Um, but for me, I'd, I'd like as many people in the world to go, you know, this, this is possible. Mm-hmm. This, you know, you can be a homeopath, you can have the confidence to prescribe um, if 
you are a patient and go, oh, no, you know, this is really expensive because everyone's got different charging structures. Um, it's it's very different in the UK to other countries. It's different um, depending on your background and your locality. And if more low-cost clinics can be set up this way to enable more people to have access to homeopathy, that's only got to be for the good. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. AHE, um, you know, uh, Alistair Gray and Denise Strages's, uh school, uh, the, what does AHE stand for again? Um, uh, Academy of Homeopathic Education. They also have, they're doing what you guys are doing as a low-cost clinic as well, which is amazing. Yeah, we definitely need more people mm-hmm. doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel, do you want to say how people can get hold of you and um, what you would like? Yeah, basically, basically the easiest way is to do my um, email, which is rachelwelshhealth, um, dot, um, sorry, rachelwelshhealth.com. Uh, dot gmail.com that's right at, at gmail.com <laughs> yeah that's right um and also you can find me on my web page which is rachelwelshhealth.co.uk um that's the easiest way to get hold of me actually and then what we'll do is we'll let you know when there's a clinic and also if the clinic time doesn't suit with the time difference we can arrange um to do a one-to-one pre-recorded appointment with either Emma or I or another homeopath because um, we're getting homeopaths now who are getting confident about actually taking cases with us so Mm -hmm. that would be great that sounds amazing thank you so much for your time ladies and I really hope that a lot of people will get on board and uh, you know patients and homeopaths alike and uh, it's got to be better for everyone in the long in the long run so it's wonderful that you're doing this thank you so much thank you thank you for having us thank you see you great to see you